This is Taiwan Talk. This is Taiwan Talk on ICRT. Hi, I'm Alex Lewis, and I'm here talking to Anne Liu. Uh, Anne, could you give our listeners a little intro about yourself, uh, what you do now? Sure. Uh, well, I'm a senior yoga teacher at Space Yoga, and they have two locations in Taipei. And I've been teaching there for 10 years now. And I used to teach in New York area for about a couple of years before I moved to Taiwan. Excellent. So you were born and raised here, or were you born here and you moved uh, immediately to the United States? Yes, I was born in Taiwan, uh, but my family immigrated to the States when I was 11. So I was there pretty much, you know, uh, most of my life, um, well, although I've been back for 10 years now. And I used to be an analyst for one of the big Wall Street firms, Merrill Lynch. So I had a really big career change. I was in investments for about 10 years or so before I quit and decided to uh, find myself, I suppose. I just uh, figured that wasn't really what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Life is too short, even though it's lucrative. And that was when I started to, um, I practiced yoga before, of course, for quite a few years. And I thought if I did a yoga teacher training, I can deepen my practice. I wasn't thinking about teaching, not really. Uh, I just thought it can help me get in touch with myself and figure out what I would like to do. And then next thing you know, after I'm done with the training, which was a nine-month-long training, it wasn't one of those short, intensive ones. I started teaching part-time yoga around New York City area, and also I worked at a hedge fund part-time, so it worked out well. Yeah, so what gave you the courage to leave your corporate job at Merrill Lynch and uh, set out to learn yoga more deeply and to find yourself? Initially, I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. As that got built up, you know, you kind of have to take baby steps. (laughs) I kind of told myself, I'm like, okay, I'm going to quit but I will offer them to work for them as on consulting basis. That, that was the way I kind of tricked myself into quitting. And then once I handed in my resignation, and then I was like, you know what? This is great. I don't want to do this at all. <laughs> so I didn't even you know, go back and you know, work for them on consulting basis. I was just like, okay, I'm done. So I kind of had to trick myself to take that initial step. <laughs> mm, because it's scary. I quit my job when I moved out here. I was working uh, for an asset management firm in Boston. And I, yeah, I quit and moved out here with really no plan for yeah, my future. Yeah, it, there, it's, in some gray, it feels like liberating. In other ways, it's very panicking. <laughs> and that's also, I realized that, um, especially in Asian culture, in Taiwan and other places, around this area, we were taught that you have to live your life a certain way. And so many of us grow up wanting to be good boys, good girls. And then we don't even know how to listen to our own inner voice anymore. You know, going into finance, going into investments, it wasn't like somebody told me, like, oh, that's what you have to do. But it was sort of internalized voice that, okay, that's a good career option. You know, that's a respectable job. That's something you should do. And once you're in it, then it's like there's, you know, way there's a certain set career track, right? Okay, then I have to get my MBA and I have to get my CFA. Then you have, okay, I'm going to be assistant vice president. I'm going to be a vice president. 
you know, I mean, there's a set track. So after that, it was like, okay, nobody telling me what to do now. What the heck do I do? <laughs> you know, I took about a year or so off and just trying out everything. Maybe I'll go back and, you know, get my PhD in economics. Maybe I'll be a therapist. You know, I started just taking literature classes, painting classes while I was practicing yoga. So you weren't sure you wanted to teach yoga after you quit your corporate job. You kind of took some time, like a year, to look at your other options? Yes. And also for me, you know, yoga is a, a way of life. Yoga for me is not a career choice. So even when I started teaching yoga, it was because this is something I'm passionate about. This is something that I want to share with other people. Often I see a lot of yoga teachers, especially perhaps in Taiwan. In the States, it's less so because many people, they go into teaching yoga. They teach part-time for quite a long time before they build up enough student base that they can turn into full-time teachers. Because, you know, it's hard to make a living as a yoga teacher, especially in the States. So you have to have enough experience to have that enough student base. But in Taiwan, there are more opportunities for teachers to be full-time teachers and make a living, because a living is cheaper here, too. So you, I do see some teachers who start teaching here, and they think it's a career sort of thing, and they kind of start planning, okay, I'm going to start teaching workshops and start teaching different trainings. Before, they're really very, perhaps, not as experienced as in other countries. Mm. So do you think that kind of diminishes the yoga practice here, like the level of yoga that's being taught or practiced here? No, no, not necessarily. I just, I think because they have practiced before, we are all on sort of a path, so it's the progression of the path. So even if you have a few more years' experience, there, there's still things to be shared. It's just, it's more, I'm addressing more the intention of it. And I think that, you know, if you have the right intention, there, there's more that you can share. Because yoga is more about just, you know, exercise. And oftentimes people go into it that way, which is great because you feel great in your body. And then you start realizing, oh, wait, my mind is a little bit more at peace. And then you start exploring the deeper dimension of it. Okay. Before we get into that deeper dimension, let's talk about uh, the significance of yoga to you. So the impact that yoga has had on your life. So when you first started, I think in 1999 uh, till now, what has your journey with yoga been like? Well, when I first started doing yoga, what really drawn me into it was that sense of sort of peace and a sense of it just feels so good afterwards. You really do feel, you know, after a really good class, I remember I would walk along, you know, the Hudson River and just look at the river. You really just see the flow and you just feel like, ooh, I'm one with the river. <laughs> Lucky as that sounds, you know. Yeah, you yeah. You get that connection. You really do feel, okay, I'm really back being very embodied or being very present. Even, you know, of course, breathing feels great and walking feels great. So you're really present. So because of that, that I kept on practicing. Because of that, that um, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll get deeper into it and do teacher training. And over time, I do find when I have difficulties in life, you know, I've gone through a lot of, 
you know, I've gone, gone through a lot of different challenges in life, even on a mental, emotional level. I've gone through depression, anxiety, you know, all kinds of stuff, going to therapy and stuff like that. You know, and recently, you know, more challenges in life, like going through a divorce, I realized, wow, I can handle this with much more ease and grace. And then that's when I really realized, okay, you know, over 10 years of practice, but, you know, at that time, whatever, 15 years now, it really paid off. It's kind of helped I, center you emotionally? Oh, yes. And I think 10 years ago, I probably would have freaked out. You know, I really remember specific moments of when it's really challenging how I can sort of, okay, let me put that aside. Let me just breathe and mm-hmm. let that flow through me. Because oftentimes we react you know, when things happen. You know, that feeling inside is so hard to handle. You just want to do something. You, know, you want to quickly respond. You want to do something. I find that I'm able to, one, become more aware of it. Two, you know, I have tools and techniques to work with it. Yeah, so yoga has helped you cope with your depression, anxiety, uh, I would say and help your mental more health. Than coping. It's it's not yes, and that's one thing I would want to you know impart to my students. It's more than coping. It helps you thrive. It helps you get beyond. So the challenges in life become great learning experiences. Become lessons that makes you grow, makes you become even more at ease with yourself, become even more at peace, centered. Do you see that your students here are open to talking about their depression or their just mental health or or their mental state? Uh, I don't think they're as open here as perhaps in the States. You know, even state in the States, there's still, you know, a negative connotation to it. But here, I think they're even more repressed about it. So usually I approach it in terms of nervous system, balance your nervous system. And to some degree, you know, it is. When you have these sort of mood disorders, let's call them, your nervous system is also in balance. So if we, took, if we look at it from that perspective, and if we look at it from the perspective of stress, if I approach it that way, it's then it's easier for students to like, oh, okay, I see. So people don't think of depression like, okay, it's just because, you know, what's wrong with me? Is it because I don't have enough willpower? No, it's not that, you know. You can talk about it in terms of chemical imbalance. You can talk about it in terms of, you know, nervous system imbalance. Then, you know, it takes sort of that shame away. For your practice, do you provide only yoga or are there other aspects that you focus on as well? Yes. Yoga, people tend to think of it just different poses, asanas, but really there is also a meditation. So in terms of that, you can really integrate all the types of mindfulness practice. I also integrate somatic experiencing. I'm in a three-year program, which I'm at one more year left. Uh, it's a trauma therapy and that's a really meditative technique. It's just about a body awareness. And it's a really powerful, a simple tool to help you work with your nervous system, to help you really become embodied. So oftentimes we don't really live in our body. You know? You're not in tune with your body. No, we're not in tune with our body. We don't listen to our body. So, you know, some people, they overeat because they, they don't realize they're full or they're eating because they're filling up some emptiness. So then 
I do see people, once they're more in tune with their body, they naturally, you know, lose weight. <laughs> they know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm full now. And the body tells you a lot more than just, you know, the basic functions. All your emotions reflect as physical sensations, your thoughts, everything reflects in your body. So how does somatic experience go with your yoga practice? Like, how, how do they work hand in hand? So the way I work is that I see yoga, the basic practices, you know, the, the asana practices, a very good foundation. And then once you have that set up, and it's, then it's easy to, if I was to work with students on one-on-one basis, once they have, have that foundation, they're more in touch with their body, their body's a little bit more open, then it's easy to uh, address uh, specific issues. I have a question about licensing and how it carries over. So if you're licensed as a yoga teacher mm-hmm. in the United States, as, as you were in New York, does that carry over here, or do you have to get licensing again once you come here? So in the States, uh, there's Yoga Alliance. They're also international. In Taiwan, a lot of teachers are registered with Yoga Alliance as well. So the basic first training is 200 hours level. And then they also have, you know, 300 hours. That's in addition to the 200. How long does it usually take to get through those two or 300 hours? So for the 200 hours, typically the different trainings, if it's more intensive, that means on a daily basis, it, that usually takes about a month. I mean, I particularly did was uh, nine months because then it's over time. We met on weekends. When you're going through this, uh, the licensing... Is it necessary to have a background or a good foundation in yoga? Yes, it's good to have some practice for quite a few years. I think you know most training programs require you at least at least one year or two years of established you know regular weekly practice. I think it all depends on the program. So, what do you get specifically out of teaching yoga? What do you enjoy most about teaching yoga? What I enjoy most is when the students kind of get that, ah, okay, that sense of, oh, okay, relaxation, or that sense of, oh, okay, yes, this is what it feels like to be a little bit more in touch with themselves. Or when I work one-on-one, you know, there's diff- you know, different things come out when they're finally a release of emotion, finally get it, okay, this is what... Feeling at peace is like, <laughs> hmm. oh, this is, oh, no, okay, I don't have to think of things this way. It could be much, you know, broader, you know. Right. Yeah. Make their but, mind le- more flexible? Yes, yes, they become much more open-minded, you know. So, you know, there's so many different things. So it's kind of like, <laughs> I remember I was watching Oprah <laughs> on uh-huh. the other day. She talks about, like, she just loves those aha moments. And I'm like, okay, that's exactly, yeah, I know exactly what she means by that. Because for me, it's that too, with the students, when they have this sort of aha moment, like, oh, you know, the moment where the consciousness kind of has, you know, shifted slightly. Yeah, you kind of have a euphoric moment, or is it like a... It could be that, or it could be just, you know, there's a, a newer understanding, but the understanding is not just on a cognitive level. So what are some challenges that you've experienced uh, teaching yoga? Challenges? Um, I'm trying to 
couldn't really think of anything at this moment. When I first moved back to Taiwan, it was language. Was there a culture shock when you moved back to Taiwan? Oh, oh yes, certainly. Really? For me, it's almost like a reverse culture shock because I was, you know, I was born here. I did live here for about eleven years or so. So coming back was, you know, was sort of like reverse. It's, you know, people look at me. They're like, oh, okay. Why do you talk, like, you're not from around here, are you? Why do you talk differently? Like, if I was born here. Um, and when I first came back, I thought, I'm like, wow, people talk so fast, you know, in Chinese. I'm like, oh, I, I can kind of understand them, you know, mm-hmm. but not really. Yeah. yeah. Were you, did you live in Taipei when you, no, were, when no. you were younger? Yeah, when I was younger, no, I lived in Taichung. Things have changed quite a bit here now, too. So that was one of the reasons why I was like, okay, maybe coming back to live here is not so bad. Mm, yeah, I, I kind of went through the same thing when I moved back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, previously I came back and visited and was like, oh, the food's great, you know, it's great to visit, but I wouldn't want to live here. <laughs> mm. But now I'm like, okay, you know, people can wait in line now. That's great. <laughs> they didn't used to do that. <laughs> you know, they're, you know mm. envir- they're much more concerned with the environment. The recycling program is great. You know, that's one of the manifestations of it. So you see people, you know, sort of the attitude is starting to change and shift. How has the uh, attitude changed and shifted towards yoga over the years since you've been back? I think in the last 10, perhaps 15 years, there's sort of the more modern yoga came in, the more Western type, meaning that different styles, they will practice with more alignment-based. So knowing how the body really, in what position, that's, you know, safe. I think previously, there's traditional Taiwan yoga here in Taiwan. I mean traditional, I mean in, you know, for, for the Taiwanese. And my understanding is that the way they practice is all about the stretching and really getting to those, like, pretzel-like poses. So in the past 10 years or so, you have outside influence. So, like, for example, space is... is a big, huge studio with a lot of styles, but teachers are all trained and they know a lot more about anatomy and alignment and how the poses should be to keep you safe. I mean, on the physical level, yoga, there's, yes, of course, you know, it helps with your flexibility, but it's also about mobility, how to stabilize your body. It also really strengthens your muscles. So which yoga practice is the most popular? Is it vinyasa yoga or is it hatha yoga? Or That had changed over the years. When I first back to Taiwan, uh, the, the Ashtanga yoga, which is more the... All the vinyasa flow practice, they're based on Ashtanga yoga. Ashtanga yoga, it's fixed sequence, but it's very flowy. You know, a lot of vinyasa flow, even in the state, a lot of so-called vinyasa flow classes are based on that. And then you have ones that are sort of more alignment-based. Previously, more popular would be Anyasara yoga. That's no longer as popular. But now, in the past five years, Iyengar yoga, which is all this sort of um, the thoughts about the alignment, all came from Iyengar yoga. The props um, that you see is all developed by Iyengar. Even the mats. Decades ago, they didn't practice yoga with yoga mats. Have you seen a change in popularity or sentiment towards yoga over the years here? Oh, yes, definitely. When I first came back, you know, there may be three major studios 
And now I've seen some big studios popping up too, and a lot of small ones too. And I think previous to that, you have the more traditional Taiwanese yoga, or just like really community-based, very small studios. So now there's a lot more. It's and and I see the community maturing more too. So there's more. You know, of course, a lot of times people get into yoga. Like I said, you know, they think, oh, it's it's an exercise. And sometimes they will say in Chinese, "chao yu jia," like as if it's a dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, instead of do yoga, zuo yu jia. So they think it's some sort of exercise. But you see that changing more. You see, like their mindset shift towards instead of just exercise, it's more holistic. Yes, and really, that's what yoga is about. I mean, the meaning of yoga. Yoga means union, union of your mind, body, and spirit. More than you know, bodies, of course, is part of it. And sometimes people get into it from from the physical body. But then once they do, you know, hopefully they they're interested in exploring deeper aspects of it. Are there any other common misconceptions of yoga here in Taiwan? Yes, yes. People think they have to be flexible to do yoga. <laughs> the funny thing is, the fact that you, you know you're not flexible—that's the reason why you should do yoga. Right. Yeah. So you can become a little bit more flexible, and you know it's not about flexibility. It's not about whether or not you can get into a pose. It's about how can you find more ease in your body. So you can feel better in your body. You can feel more the energy flow, and that if you get deeper, so the emotional that you can flow, so it doesn't get stuck. So, what's some advice that you would give people that are looking to start yoga? Definitely try a few different teachers. It may be the same class. It may be called the same class. It may be called Flow. It may be called Hatha. It may be called Basics or whatever. But different teacher of their own specific style. So you want to work with a teacher you're comfortable with, and then make sure the teacher is knowledgeable of anatomy and how to keep you safe. But yoga, if you do yoga correctly, you shouldn't get hurt, and you shouldn't hurt. Not no pain, no gain. There may be certain discomfort that the feelings for you may not be, if you're not used to stretching or you're, if you're not used to, you know, strengthening the muscles. For you, there may be those type of discomfort. But you shouldn't be like sharp pain. Shouldn't be hurting yourself. Definitely find a knowledgeable teacher and someone you are comfortable, someone you enjoy, because everyone has different styles. Do you think the price point of taking yoga classes or the cost of taking yoga classes is a barrier for people to get into yoga here? Honestly, it doesn't seem that way to me. <laughs> You know, I think in one of the studios, if you have membership, if you if you do go, you know, I think on the average, it works out quite quite well. How much does it cost to join a studio like Space Yoga, the one that you're teaching at right now? I believe it's you know over three thousand a month, something like that. So if you if you go a few times a week, I think that works out fairly well. And I think you know even you know I have kids, so. My kids take different things, you know, martial art classes, piano classes, and I think oftentimes these classes, on the average, are four or five hundred dollars for a class or so, or six hundred. So I think that seems to be the price point people are comfortable with. All right, cool. Thank you very much, Anne. Yeah, thank and you. That was uh, very enjoyable. Yeah, for me too. That was this week's Taiwan Talk. Thank you for listening. I'm Alex Lewis.